What's going on, everybody? Leo Cannell here with today's Seven Figures Club podcast. And today we've got a very special guest who originate and hails from the land up north in Canada. We've got uh, Mark Lachance. He's an entrepreneur. He's a business owner. He's an author. Let's take a look at his uh, bio very quickly. Mark is the CEO and lead investor of Maxi Media Inc., which is one of the largest TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, and Google Display Network performance marketing agencies. So basically, you know, most of the audience here, we're business owners, we're entrepreneurs, we're side hustlers. And there's no doubt about it that social media marketing is going to be your most powerful um, you know, way to build your business uh, in addition to maybe a, a referral partner program. So Mark is someone who's going to be able to drop a lot of value bombs about that today. You're going to want to take some notes. Currently, Maxi Media is the number one advertiser in terms of monthly spend on the TikTok platform in Canada, and he's top 10 in North America. He's the author of the soon to be released book, The Lucky Formula. And later on, he's going to tell us about a little quiz to find out just how lucky you are and, and you know how you can actually control a little bit of your own luck. So uh, he also uh, founded Evo Payments International Canada, and he's just done a lot of amazing things, including most recently, he actually moved to the U.S. very recently. So, Mark, welcome to the show. We are excited to have you and, and learn from your breadth of knowledge. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S., and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. All right. So, you know, this, uh, this show is all about, you know, how can you get into the top 5% of businesses in America? break that seven figures boundary and, and uh, generate a million dollars a year with your business, with your side hustle, and eventually make it your full-time career in business. So the first thing we like to do in these, in these shows is, is dig a little deeper and find out about your background. What was it growing up in your upbringing you think that led you eventually down that path of entrepreneurship? Well, look, I came from a, I'm not going to say a poor background, but uh, my father was a hustler for sure. But uh, he yeah. came from a farming family. He came from Eastern Quebec and they moved to the United States back in 65, long time ago. Oh, wow. And yeah, so, so the whole family moved. My grandfather moved the eight kids from a farm to a place called Lewiston, Maine. And they got in the construction and the, and the lumberjacking industry. So, you know, okay. not exactly an academic, uh, academic family. And so I kind of fell into the construction space when I was, when I was a kid, my father, my father would bring me out of the job site. And because of what happened to him in, in 87 stock market crash, real estate market crash, he, yeah. uh, he lost, he lost it all. So I had to go to work oh, wow. to pay for my college. And, uh, you know, that kind of, it, it, not only that, so so <laughs> construction taught me that I didn't want to do construction for sure. Construction taught me, Good lesson. Gave, gave me the massive why to uh, never want to be on that roof in 102 degree weather, you know, frying my, uh, my butt off up on top of that roof. So that, that's kind of the start. 
But really, before that, my father was always uh, an entrepreneur. He gave us the first book he gave me and my two brothers was a book called Think and Grow Rich. And I'm pretty sure every single entrepreneur that you have on your uh, on your podcast has read that book. So that's, that's uh, kind a of good the foundation. One. That's right. So that's kind of my foundation in how I was motivated to be an entrepreneur. How awesome is that? Dang, I wish my dad would have given me that book. I didn't read that book until I was, I want to say, 31 years old, a little bit uh, lost, uh, and really helped me get back on track. So I'm not surprised. Uh, what a great uh, gift that your father gave you. So you're telling me, Mark, that in college, you actually worked your butt off to pay for college. I did. I did. I did. The government didn't, uh, you know, uh, didn't give me money to, to go to school. Right? So I, I'm I just had to work curious. Yeah. Mark, how important do you think that is to actually work to pay for your college instead of taking out all these monstrous student loans that most people do? Uh, look, I'm going to, I mean, well, here's the thing. My brother has two kids that are going to, three kids actually, wow. and two of them now are going to university. And one of them luckily got a, got a full ride to play hockey. I'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> but the other, he's paying $80,000 a year. Oh. <laughs> so he has, he actually... He did well. He had a, my brother had a, play, a hockey playing career. I think he made over $20 million over his career, but he lived the lifestyle, pay the taxes. He still has to take out a loan. He has no, he has no choice. How are you going to finance $80,000 a year? Yeah. And he got another kid that's in prep school at $50,000 a year. So the numbers are just ridiculous. And which, I mean, we can go down the rabbit hole of talking about is school useful to entrepreneurs and blah, blah, blah. I can tell you my opinion on that. <laughs> but the point uh, is, yeah. I, I think now you have to. I mean, but when I was growing up, my college was, uh, I went to Bentley University in Boston and that cost $15,000 a year. So yeah. I could work my butt off and pay it down and have zero debt. So I graduated with zero debt, right? But today, how do you do it with $80,000 in annual premiums? I, I just don't know. You know, it's funny. I was just uh, just uh, looking at a statistics and some graphs, and they were showing from 1980 that uh, inflation had uh, gone up like uh, maybe 224%, something like that, since 1980 till now uh, in the U.S. And also during that time, college had increased 1,184%. So for uh, significantly more than the 224% of you know, actual costs of housing and food and energy and clothing that it costs to live, like it's literally four times more uh, has been the inflated cost of colleges and universities. And obviously, I don't. I think we can all agree the value that they're delivering has not uh, achieved that result because incomes have gone from about twenty thousand dollars a year in median income to fifty four thousand, so about two and a half times that. But no, or actually just one hundred forty two percent increase versus eleven hundred eighty four percent of the cost of college. You know, which is just absolutely crazy. But you know, I think there's something really important you learned there by working and paying for college. It meant more, and I think it laid the foundations. Agree. You know, 100%. for your life. So after college, what was your next step in your career, and and how did you eventually, you know, start that first business? Well, the the first step, my brother, like I said, he was a he was a high draft pick. He was he was drafted fourth overall by the New York Islanders wow. in, in ice hockey, right? So yeah. you know, we played hockey growing up. My other brother was drafted in the in the fifth uh, fifth or sixth round by the St. Louis Blues. So through the for, through them, I met a ton of agents and, uh, and and scouts and other players. And it was through that agent courting process that my middle brother was getting courted by 
you know, by a gentleman by the name of Don Meehan. And I liked the process. I thought it was pretty awesome. And I decided when I was a junior in college that, look, I'm going to become a sports agent. Yeah. That's exactly what I did when I got out of school. So I, I was able to build a, work for my father during the week, you know, on the roof and then on the weekends become a sports agent. So basically drive to Boston, drive all over the Northeast, drive to Canada, recruiting players up and down the East coast. And, uh, and then once I was able to, to, to get, to build that enough to be full time, which I had at the, the height of that practice, I had seven NHL players and I had 35 minor leaguers working their way up to the top. So it was a pretty good practice, but, uh, you know, that was my first foray into entrepreneurship, if you, if you will. That's awesome. So you, you, you get in as a sports agent, not full-time, eventually get it to full-time. How does it work uh, for those who don't understand the process of becoming a sports agent? How do you make money? How much can you make? And how difficult is it to, uh, you know, achieve that kind of success? I mean, seven uh, NHL players under contract that you're a pivotal part of that, obviously a very big deal and very big uh, business. How do sports agents, uh, how does that work? Well, I, I would say that if, if you're getting into the business today, you have to work for it, which I did, which I did. So I started working yeah. for a, a, a bigger agency. So I don't know if you remember, if you're a hockey fan, Leo, there's a gentleman by the name of Ray Bork, who was a superstar in the Northeast. So I started working for his agent and that got me, you know, I learned the business, got credibility through that. I had my brothers, obviously. And I was able to leverage them and, and meet meet other players. But this is a it's a flat out sales job. And I'm not doing that business today for, for many, many, many reasons, but travel's brutal. And you better be singing a better song than the next guy or your client's gonna get stolen away, like I did to many others. So I just didn't like I didn't like the business, the, the travel and the just the, the feeling of how do you build a business, but it's basically I have to, I have to take other clients from other people. I mean, that's really the only way to build a business. And, and I it kind of wore on me over time. So, but uh, in, if you want in, to get into in business, it, uh, let, let me ask you a quick question. Business, like your ability to create a sexy offer reflecting your product or service is to be a huge part of, of succeeding in business. And so if you're a sports agent, what does a sexy offer look like in terms of why me as a professional NHL player would go with you as my sports agent. Like, how do you set yourself apart? And what did you learn about creating a sexy offer about yourself that helped you in some of your future businesses? Well, it was it, it's hustle in the beginning. I was everywhere all the time. So I was all over the East Coast in the, yeah. in the university ranks, in the minor league hockey ranks, at practices, at games. I was all over the place. So the Northeast is a perfect place. Because all the the NHL teams, the 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 top teams have their farm teams in the in the Northeast. So I was able to travel yeah. within a let's say a three hour radius. There are about fifteen teams that I can hit, you know. So I could wow. in the morning at a practice, a, a, another game at night in the middle. Sometimes prep schools had a game, so it's hustle, pure hustle. And if you're there all the time, because every agent can't be there. I mean, it's just if you have. A, so for example, at the height, I had forty five clients. So how can you see 45 clients all the time? You just can't. So you differentiate yourself by hustle. That's, that's it. And then once you get older and you have the superstar names, it's differentiating yourself by, by negotiating massive contracts, which is how, which is how I did, how I grew from, you know, a little, little uh, organization to a bigger one. Awesome. All right. So you've got this, you get into sports agent, uh, you're working for a big firm. You eventually kind of build your own practice. 
things are going well. What led you? And this is an important uh, distinction because a lot of us sometimes we we get into a business, we chase an opportunity, and at some point there's the need to pivot and go a different direction, a different industry, a different profession. How did you know it was time to go a different direction, and what direction did you go? It's that's kind of driven sometimes by financial uh, financial gain or financial loss. So yeah, it was, I, I think the year was 1997 or 1998. I uh, I lost two of my key clients within one year. So 30% of my revenue out the window. Oh. And I was and, and but it was a point where I had literally wiped their backs. So you're a glorified babysitter. So anybody's listening, oh, yeah. it's, it's not as sexy as you think it is. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. But, you know, over time, you're a glorified babysitter. So one of the guys I literally did everything for, lent his brother money, negotiated an awesome deal, and I still get fired at the end of the year. And the other guy, you know, because somebody else was was whispering a better story than me. And he went with the other guy. So anyway, I lost two key clients and 30% of my revenue. At the same time, I met a guy in the payment space. And this guy was making, at the time, he was making about twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a month recurring. In 1997, 98, back then, that's huge money, right? Oh, yeah. So, so I looked at his business and I said, he had 2,000 clients. If he lost two, three, 10, 20, it didn't matter. Right, because it's recurring. He's making one hundred and fifty dollars per client per month across you know two or three thousand clients that he had. So I was like, "This is an amazing business." I quickly mm-hmm. learned, and I think probably Leo, you're in the you're in the real estate game, probably. So it's a lot like real estate, right? You're getting recurring revenue. It's predictable. It's it's you know it's coming in every single month. So I was like, "Wow, this is a way better business than me having to hump all over the world." to get fired by two of my clients that I did everything for and no diversification. So that's, that's exactly why I, I pivoted into, uh, in, into payments. And, and this is uh, right at the time as, as PayPal is, is beginning to launch and there's a lot of opportunity and, and disruption in the payments arena. And I kind of look at it as an example of, let, let's take real estate, for example. Well, I can have three or four single family homes and maybe making decent rent. But if I lose one of those, all of a sudden, like you said, oh, big, big kick in the butt. I just lost 25, 30% of my, my revenue. But if I have a bunch of apartment buildings and I've got dozens of units, I can lose a few units and it does not impact my bottom line near exactly. as much. And, and, and so what, what about that difference between like this em- enormous pressure? You have to keep getting more clients, more NHL players versus if you have thousands and you're making, you know, recurring revenue on a monthly basis, like how much more stable did that feel for you as you transitioned into that business? Amazingly stable. I mean, I I didn't have to worry that we would lose a client. I mean, look, I don't, nobody likes losing clients, but because, you know, we're entrepreneurs, we're winners, we like to win. But if we lost one, it was not a big deal. But if we, yeah. I lost one in the sports game, it was a huge deal, oh. right? So, so I like the diver again. You you said it all, right? Diversification uh, in terms of revenue, in terms of client base, and and it's much more stable and predictable uh, revenue. Like it now. Tell us about you know. So you'd been in that industry for a while. You'd seen a lot of success. At some point, you found Evo Payments International Canada. Tell us about that story and and that journey. Well, that one was, that's an interesting story because I, I, so my first payments company, I sold that one in 1999, learned a huge lesson on, uh, on market crashes and how that affects your, uh, your oh, stock. Oh, now you sold that right before <laughs> the dot-com bubble burst. Exactly. But the problem was I was a, a, a young 
executive will call it. Yeah. I made an asset sale and it was an asset sale for stock in a company and the stock was locked up. Therefore, I got, I was so left. You, with, could, you couldn't sell it for a while. Sell though. anything. So I was left with a $40,000 oh, wow. tax bill. That's what I, that, that was the best deal. <laughs> and then, so after that, I was, uh, I, then I got an opportunity to move to Montreal and start a company called Pivotal Payments, which today is an $8 billion company. So I'll tell you that story. Wow. But anyway, so I was the third person of the company, EVP of sales. And we grew that from when I started in 2000, uh, 2001, September 10th, 2001, crazy day. Uh, is when I moved to Canada. It was September 10th, 2001. We grew that from three oh people, goodness. three people to 240 people within two years quickly. And wow. uh, it was hyper growth. And then I exited there in 2006. And here's a funny side note. My, my I'm guessing here, that was a better exit than the previous one. Oh yeah, no, no. It, it was very profitable, but yeah, uh, the shares that I sold in 2006 today are worth $2 billion. <laughs> ah, no <laughs> there, kidding. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Well, the, the, the founder, the guy's a genius, flat out genius hustler. So uh, he, I knew he would do well, but I wanted to strike out on my own. For so sure. in 2006, I go, I, I, I have my winnings and I have all the cash that I made up until then, several million dollars, which I rolled all into real estate. It's a good year to, that's a good year to roll into real estate, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> crushed, man. I was, I got crushed in 2007. So in 2007, Virgin bankruptcy, uh, literally, you know, pennies to my name, I got an opportunity. I said, I have to get back into the game that I know, which is payments. So I had, I had been in payments for almost, almost a decade at that time. And I knew how to make money. I knew how to build a, a sales team. I knew how to sell. I knew how to make it happen. So I ended up on my, you know, with that financial gun to your head, I called my buddy in New York and I spilled, spilled my guts. I said, his name's Todd. I said, Todd, listen, I need help right now. I'm, I'm basically bankrupt. And I need to get back into the payment space because that's what I know. And that's what I know how to make money with. He's like, what? He was floored that I was in that position because a few years earlier, I was riding high with a, a lot of cash in the pocket. But anyway, um, he got me in touch with these guys from New York who had just, just closed the deal with the Canadian bank. And so there was an opportunity to get equity in a company and to run it, which was huge. So I would have been oh, yeah. checked all the boxes, look, equity. I run my own shop uh, in, in the space that I knew. The problem was I didn't have $200,000 to invest in the game, which I needed. So I had to get creative and, and borrow money for shares that I didn't even own yet, and, uh, but it worked out. So I was able to raise the cash, get into the game, and that's Evo Payments, right? So we grew that uh, for 10 years, and, and I sold that in actually from 2009 to 2016. So what is yeah. that? That's seven years, seven, eight seven years. years. Yeah. And I had a, had a very good exit in 2016. So that, that's kind of my resurgence and bounce back from colossal failure. That is a, what an amazing roller coaster ride. So let, let's go back uh, to that, that uh, first one that you were building uh, and you were the number three in the, in the company. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I, I have to be the number one. I'm going to be the number one. I'm going to found this and, and then grow it from there. And especially if you've never done that, how important is it for people that are trying to get an entrepreneurship, trying to get it to understand that you can be number three, you can be number six, number 10 and do very well. And then in the future, you know, actually become the number one after you've seen the build out. How important do you think that was for you to be not the number one, but the number three? And then how that led you to success to be a number I, one? I think eventually? it's it's hugely important because 
I, I wasn't ready. Number one to be, a, I thought I was, I thought, you know, you always have that ego and I'll, I'll get into yeah. a, a philosophy I have, <clears throat> I have called the entrepreneur's dilemma, but anyway, you have an ego and you think you can do it, but there's nothing wrong with being number two, number three, number five, 10, like you said, in learning yeah. the business. Right. So a great example is our chief operating officer right now. He was not even number three. He was number seven in the business. Yeah. And he earned because the guy's a workhorse. He earned, he started off as just, you know, a media buyer. And now he's the chief operating officer. A few, you know, three or four years later, he has a good chunk of equity in the business. And when we sell, this guy's going to do well. So you don't need to be number one, number two, number three, but you need to have work ethic and you need to have a, an ability to, to learn and be creative right. and be a good person and blah, blah, blah. So you, you'll move up if, if you're, if you partner with the right people. Now, here's a good tip for you. So there's, I'm looking at a book on my bookshelf right there okay. called the star principle by Richard Koch. So if you're not that entrepreneur, if you're not that number one, use the principles in that book, because what he does tell you is find an industry that's growing by 10 to 30% a year and a company that's growing by the same. And if you do, you're going to be set up. Oh, right? that's so, brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely. So the, the star principle, Richard Koch, K-O-C-H. You got to get that book. It's okay, perfect. guys. The star principle by Richard Koch. Great book. Look that one up. And what a great uh, formula. Find an industry growing by 10 to 30% every year. Now go find an early company doing that. Exactly. Get on board. Get some equity. Earn it. Be a workhorse. And get that uh, exit. So this is so incredible. So you, you exit out in 06 get a, a great, uh, healthy payout. And then you're like, well, where's the best place I can put my money? Oh, real estate's had the best track record forever. I'm going to put it on to real estate. Funny. I actually did the, the same thing in 06. So you do that, put millions of dollars into real estate. And literally, what is it a year, two years later, all of that is that completely worthless, right? Yeah. yeah. About, about a year and a half later. So here, here's a funny and, story for you. Yeah. Have you been, you're in real estate, right? I, I believe so. I am. Um, yeah. We've, yeah. So what was happening at that time in, in north of Montreal and northern Quebec, the, the Brits were rolling in because the, the currency was two to one, right? So they were getting, they were getting uh, real estate at half price, basically, because they were using British pounds and buying with Canadian dollars. And so, you know, projects were selling like hotcakes when we got into the game. And then finally, when we were ready to sell, we had all the marketing ready. We were, we were at a trade show in London. And just a month before the place was packed. And when I was there, crickets, nobody was there. I was throwing paper airplanes at the Sotheby's rep. Brutal, (laughs) brutal. (laughs) Oh, so brutal. So here's what's so impressive. Like for me, it took me a while to get back on track, but you got on track fast. And I think there's a lot of important lessons there. And I want to, you know, uh, lead this right into the entrepreneur's dilemma that you talk about. But how in the world, psychologically, did you go, wow, I just lost you know, multiple millions of dollars in investments in, you know, the worst real estate crash maybe that we've seen in the last hundred years that who could have, I mean, you know, there was clues, but unless you're right in the middle of it, you probably didn't see them. Like, how did you bounce back that quickly to start something else? Number one, number two, how did you creatively find the 200,000 to get your next venture going? Cause there's a huge lesson in that. Okay. So if you've, if you've done personal de- development, if you've worked on your mindset, if you hang around people that are winners, if you put yourself in the right position to be looking at opportunities. So personal development, circle of influence, 
opportunities. You can't sit on your couch for more than six months like I did and, and just, you know, go into the abyss of hell and, and just wilt away if you're a winner. So that's basically what I'm saying. I mean, so I grew up in, in sports, my brother, again, high, high achieving athlete, uh, my other brother, high achieving athlete, high achievers all around me. You can't sit down if you're a high achiever and you've been exposed to that and, and just wilt away. So that's number one. It's what you expose yourself to. I believe it's the circle of influence you have. And, you know, if you've, if you've made, so how did I bounce back so quickly? It didn't feel quick. Six months sitting on your couch thinking you're a loser for six months, not that quick. But the key was because I had built a great reputation before that, that I was able to make the phone calls to get somebody to invest in me and to get somebody to say, hey, this guy can run your operation in Canada. So two things. So great reputation and work ethic and winning attitude. That's basically what it is. I love it. Great reputation, work ethic, attitude, and being around other successful people. I mean, that's a, that is a big part of it. No question about it. Like you've got to, you are the sum of the five, 10 people that you hang around with the most. Yes, and sir. You're going to be part of their influence. No Jim Rohn, Leo, it. Jim Rohn. That's <laughs> right. Be a person of value. So, so what's this entrepreneur's dilemma that entrepreneurs, small business owners, maybe someone looking to or starting a side hustle while they still have their job, or maybe they're trying to get on, like, what is this dilemma? And, and how do we push through, overcome and, and conquer this dilemma that, you know, we, we face? I believe every entrepreneur goes through this. So, you know, so I'll tell you, I'll give you what it means for a story. So when I launched Evo Canada in 2009, it was myself. So I was the first employee. And then we quickly got to 215 employees really quick. So within a year about uh, so to, uh, March 2009, all the way to, to 2010, which was um, it's a, over a year and a half. So December 2010, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm looking at, so we had 215 employees. We're rocking, you know, we're doing uh, app counts. I forget how many app counts we're doing a month, something like 500, which was amazing. But that's new deals that are coming through, which, which is yeah. amazing at the time. And so I'm sitting at my desk and I look at my email box and probably a thousand unopened emails. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out of my mind. And I'm like, this sucks. You know, I was dead broke, you know, a year and a half ago. Now I'm, I'm riding high again, but I want to quit this business. And I needed help. I needed a coach. I needed somebody to, to show me what I'm doing wrong because there's no way, this is no way to live. I'm, I'm working 16 hour days. I can't even keep oh, yeah. up my emails, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so I keep on you know, typing in my computer, business coach, business mentor, Tony Robbins name keeps on coming up, coming up. And it so happened he had a conference called Business Mastery about uh, three weeks, three weeks later from that point. So it was around my birthday in December that I was looking Tony Robbins in, in early January. And I'm like, you know what? 10 G's. It's a lot of money for me right now. I'm just getting over my almost bankruptcy, but the heck with that. I'm going for it. So I went. And the first message I learned is that I was the problem, right? So if you're doing everything, if you have the, as the entrepreneur have to have your hand in every single department, you're not a leader at, at all. And you're not leading people in the right way. So what I learned quickly and, and through, you know, Tony's that event plus uh, Dan Sullivan's strategic coach, mm -hmm. I learned that uh, what I call the entrepreneur's dilemma. If, you know, if you, what you need to do as a leader is hire the right people to run the department, step back and offer coaching, offer guidance, but it's not your job to run it. It's their job to run it. Not only will you develop 
entrepreneurs within your business, you're going to develop a tremendous amount of loyalty because they're actually feeling empowered. So you empower them to do the job. It's not your job. And as soon as I learned that concept within three or four months, my email box went from thousands to maybe 30 a day. It was unbelievable. So I cleaned it up. So entrepreneur's dilemma, what is that? It's basically every entrepreneur thinks they need to be the smartest, the best, the brightest in every aspect of their business. But how could it be? How could you be, you know, number one in legal, in finance, in accounting, in customer service, in sales, in every aspect, just not even feasible. But I had to know everything in every department. It just didn't work out. But when you hire, so after that event, I came back and I literally fired three of my VPs and replaced them all. And my life just got much, much easier. Because if you hire yes men, because you need to be the ego center, you're going to be, you're going to hit that wall. You, you can't be the bottleneck. You can't make every decision exactly. and grow and scale a business. It reminds me of the time that uh, Henry Ford, uh, you know, found original founder Ford had his native article written about him. And he, he, he went to, went to court to prove that uh, they were basically saying that he was inept, uneducated, and shouldn't even be able to have this company. So he, he goes to court and they're asking him, who was the uh, secretary of state in 1816, like 100 years ago? And he's like, you know, how does that have anything to do with helping me build my business? And they're, But he's like, you know what I do have? I've got 10 people and 10 phones here for someone who's an expert in what you're saying, in accounting. I've got an expert in engines. I've got an expert in marketing. And when I need information, I bring that expert in. I ask them questions. They help me make a good decision. And that's how we built the most successful car company in the world. And that, that's what you're telling us, right? Absolutely. You can't be the smartest person in every aspect of your business. You have someone who's great at sales, someone who's great at operations, that technical person. And then you, your job is to find those great people, manage, hold them accountable. And that's how you can actually run successful business and scale it. Now, the next thing you talk about is this lucky formula where you stack the odds in your favor because there is luck, but there's also odds. It's like, you know, if you're making investment, even if you're a gambler, like if you put enough odds in your favor, your chance for success goes up. Tell us about how we can harness this lucky formula. Well, look, the formula is, is basically, it's in, not basically, it is, it's internal mastery plus external mastery plus action equals luck. That's I plus E plus A equals luck. And what does that mean? Yeah. It means if, if you master yourself internally, you master your narrative, the stories you tell yourself, you master your language. How do you speak to people? Like Leo, I think you're, you know, your voice is amazing and you're an awesome uh, podcaster, uh, you know, and I, that I, I, I listen to a few of them and they're awesome, right? So if I tell you how great you are, I tell you how much of a good, uh, you know, a, a stud in your business you are, chances are you're going to like me, right? And that's going to create positive, uh, positive aura around me. Uh, it, what are your thought process, right? Do you wake up in the morning and do you tell yourself you're a loser or do you tell yourself you're a, a fearless leader, right? Do you meditate? Do you pray? pray prayer and meditation are very similar, right? So every morning I wake up and I meditate. I have a 21 minute, um, <clears throat> 21 minute uh, system that I use and it really gets me focused for the day. I have a, a do, you, do you exercise in the morning? Do you drink water in the morning? Do you brush your teeth in the morning? So it's a whole system on how to get your mind focused. And then, so that's all the internal stuff, external. What's your nutrition look like? Do you have a oh, supplement important. box that looks like that, right? Yeah. Supplementation. 
um, how, you know, how do you speak? We already spoke about language, but your circle of influence is another one. So it's, it's basically 20 points plus action. Now let's get back to circle of influence. If you're hanging around with, you know, five people, your average, the five people you hang around with are big thinkers, they don't, they don't have to be rich, but do they think big? Are they athletes that push themselves? Are they beasts in the weight room? Are they beasts in business? So, so you, need, you have a diverse crew. If I look at my crew, my crew is unbelievable right now. And when I learned that, I had to cut a lot of people out and you just do. So if you're hanging with, with eagles, you're going to soar like the eagles. If you're hanging with pigeons, you're going to be on the ground you know, walking around and picking up uh, you know, dust. So that's, that's what the book talks about. It goes into every aspect of of building your mindset and then every aspect about how do you take action? What do you do? How do you build your leadership skills? And it takes you from A to Z. So that that's in a nutshell, that's the book. Well, well said, uh, Mark. So, I mean, this has been an amazing interview and I think you've dropped so many value bombs. Your story is inspirational, but you've given us specifics on, you know, how to be part of a great startup and get an exit or how to be that number one and build from the ground up. A lot of our audience is thinking, how can I learn from Mark? How can I implement and integrate his strategies into my business? How can they yeah. connect with you, take action? Because the worst thing that they can do is you know, hear this great information and not take action. So I want to give them a chance yeah. to take action. How can they connect up with you and take that next step? So the first way is I've got a quiz, a free quiz, Leo, that I can't wait to see you take. It's called the lucky quiz. So you're going to oh, find that. <laughs> You'll find that at theluckyformula.com slash quiz. And it's uh, 20 questions on, and it, it's basically multiple choice questions and it asks you, and it spits out a, a number. So it gives you a formula from, from one to a hundred. What's your lucky score, right? So one being not, not very lucky and a hundred being very lucky. And it gives you tips and tricks on how to get luckier. And luck can be switched out with success in, in my definition. So it's not really lucky going to the craps table and winning. It's, it's, you know, doing things that stack the odds in your favor and create luck. Like, for example, telling somebody how great they are. Like, for example, you know, complimenting this person to that person or, or saying the right thing or doing the right thing or doing a great deed. Anyway, all that stuff that stacks the odds in their favor. So lucky. So it's the lucky formula slash quiz. And then another place you can find me is on uh, Instagram, which is Mr. at Mr. Lucky Official. So at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Lucky Official. And then Leo, one, one last place is you can actually get my book, The Lucky Formula, which did launch already, by the way. And it, and it hit bestseller on, uh, on Amazon, on Wall Street Journal and USA Today. Oh, my goodness, guys. Guys, you got to check this out, theluckyformula.com forward slash quiz. I can't wait. I'm going to take the quiz right now. And obviously, the Lucky Formula book. And I love actually how you pointed out that craps, like any business, like any investment, it's it's putting those odds in your favor. And if you stack the odds and you're disciplined and you keep studying and becoming an expert in your field and getting better, you're going to eventually win so that that's amazing. Mark, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Again, guys, the luckyformula.com forward slash quiz. Mark, the final word is yours. <laughs> 
Look, uh, here's another thing I'm going to say, especially what's topical right now is, is Leo. So you, you gave prices early. You said inflation was, I think, 215% or whatever. It's probably, in fact, more than that because the annual inflation oh, yeah. rate is way more than the, the, the lie CPI that they give us. So what I would suggest that entrepreneurs do right now is educate yourself on money supply, educate yourself on what the Federal Reserve really is, educate yourself on where this is going because you need to be positioned. I think we're in for a turbulent ride. We, you thought you said that uh, 2007 was, was the worst crash ever. I think we might be in for a pretty good one. So, or bad one. So I would, I would educate myself on, you know, what's happening with, with uh, money supply increases and what's happening with inflation. And that'll get you through this period, probably unscathed. I think I'm well positioned. Let's see. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, that, I that's, that's my final word. That's a yeah. huge point. That's a huge point. Great piece of advice there, guys. There are some turbulent waters coming, but it's also some of the best opportunities out there. Make sure you have some cash. Make sure you've got some recurring revenue in your business or real estate recurring revenue coming in. You know, something that can't be necessarily uh, impacted by the market in large, and you're going to come out of this so well. And stick around great people like Mark, and the odds will be in your favor. Mark, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. And guys, we'll see you next time on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Leo. Thank you very much. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.